Hey, podcast listeners, Patrick here. Just a reminder that tickets to BroadwayCon 2017, presented by Mischief Management and Playbill, are now on sale. You can find information and tickets at broadwaycon.com. Also, a reminder that we're still accepting submissions for our BroadwayCon the Podcast live show, which we'll be taping from the main stage at BroadwayCon. We're calling the show Fandemonium, and it's all about celebrating the relationships between fans and their heroes in the Broadway community. If there's someone in the Broadway community whose work has been really special to you, or to whom you feel a special connection, make a 90-second video about it and post it to our Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr pages, and you might be invited to take part in this very special event. Don't forget to use the hashtag BroadwayCon podcast and tell us who you are, where you're from, and why you're coming to BroadwayCon. Okay, now to the show. I know a place where you belong. Come follow me and join the song. Welcome to BroadwayCon! The podcast, the show for the theater kid in all of us. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. For today's episode, we're taking you inside the BroadwayCon offices, or office, singular, as you're about to see, to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how BroadwayCon is created. We're talking to Melissa Anelli and Sierra Fox of Mischief Management, and we're getting the scoop on what it takes to pull off the biggest and best Broadway fan convention in the world. They'll also share their favorite moments from last year and make some exciting announcements about what's on the bill for BroadwayCon 2017. In the second part of the show, we'll catch up with Daisy Egan, who won a Tony Award when she was 11 for creating the role of Mary Lennox in The Secret Garden. Okay, let's get to it. Um, hi, you guys. Will you say your name and what you do? My name is Melissa Anelli. I'm the co-executive director of Mischief Management, which runs BroadwayCon. And who are you and what do you do? My name is Sierra Fox, and I do the BroadwayCon programming. Yes, she does. You guys, I want to demystify the makings of BroadwayCon for people. It's so mystific. So mystif- What's the word? <laughs> it's so mysterious. That's the word. <laughs> we, so, we, we, are- we are literally in the room where it happens, right? Like, this is where BroadwayCon gets made. Yes, how big is this room, Patrick? Tell everybody. Uh, this room is, I'm going to say, like, 13 by 10. I think that could be accurate. It is small. It is smaller than my bedroom. And six of us work in here. Will you tell us how many people are on your staff and where they exist? Sure. Uh, Mischief Management has eight employees. Uh, me and my business partner, Stephanie Jordan, she's in California. Jordan Edwards does all of our beautiful, creative, you know, the website and everything look and feel. Everything look and feel. And he's super handsome. He's a genius. Yeah. He's a genius. He's handsome. He's in Ohio. He's taken. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so um, we also have one of our associate operations directors is in California. And then everybody else is here. It's Akia Blackwell, who's our operations director which means literally that everything we dream about and plan she makes physical on on site do you know how hard it is to get chairs into a room i didn't know until i met takia <laughs> Expensive it is to get chairs into a room. Oh my goodness, you have no idea. Um, Abby Laris is our attendee engagement director. That means she does a lot of our a lot of our interacting with our attendee base, but she also does a lot of sponsorships and activations of those because that means that whatever we create at the event is going to have an interaction with the attendees. So she works on a lot of that side as well. Amy Fisk is our uh, new talent manager. She's doing basically the company manager for BroadwayCon and, and our other events. And Sierra started here as my and Stephanie's uh, executive assistant, and she still does 
does some of those functions, well, all of those functions, but we, we try and keep it, we try and keep it on the, on the low side because she is now basically running the Broadway con programming apparatus. So we all have many, many, many hats. Sierra, you field a lot of the emails, the, like the info at broadwaycon.com, right? Yeah, I do. What sorts of emails come into that email address? <laughs> we get a range of things, honestly. It's kind of everything you would expect from agents wanting to get their clients involved who have never been on Broadway and just see an opportunity to the biggest Broadway stars that I fangirl over who can't find an email address, like we can't contact, reach out to us. And they're like, hey, do you have any room for me? I'm like, I am obsessed with you. What do you want to do, please? Our tickets were batched, were released in three batches last year. And the day that the second batch of tickets went on sale, Alice Ripley emailed and said, can I come? The fans have been asking and included a link to her Wikipedia page as if I didn't meet Alice Ripley when I was 14 and like take a picture that I still have in my room. Literally, when the email came in, I was listening to Next to Normal. And I was like, Alice Ripley, I know who you are. You're in my ears right now. I love you. Please come. Like that. Sometimes that stuff happens in the email box. It's so exciting. Can you demystify for the people who want to like be in like involved in BroadwayCon or want their clients to be involved in BroadwayCon? Like what, what is they? You are getting the emails and you will get back to them when you can, right? Yes. <laughs> the easiest way to get a hold of me and my team is programming at broadwaycon.com. Yeah, we just specify when we say team. So I just outline who are like the actual full-time or in some cases most-time uh, staffers. But we also have teams and teams and scores of volunteers who just want to be involved. So Sierra has a programming team that works completely volunteer. They have meetings at what, like 8, 9 o'clock at night. When I, when I mention who runs BroadwayCon, it's also an, an incredible staff of volunteers. And I don't mean volunteers, the ones who come and like pack the bags. Those guys are amazing. Those are a different kind of volunteer. We have staff volunteers that are working all year round. So when people, I think people sometimes assume that because it's a, a kind of big event that we're this huge corporation, it could not be less true. <laughs> I definitely did. Tell me what like, the biggest surprise about BroadwayCon last year was. There was a blizzard. <laughs> and I hate that answer and everyone gives that answer. I'm like, there's so much other stuff. But if we're talking honestly, the biggest surprise. To be fair, was the blizzard a surprise? When we announced, when we announced... It is my fault. When we announced the existence of BroadwayCon, literally journalists started asking, you know, oh my God, New York in January. Are you crazy? I was like, and I, I, Patrick, I said this out loud to reporters and I know that God laughed. I said, how often, how often does a snowstorm really shut down an airport? And you know that like God was like, oh, sweetie. Someone needs a lesson. Subway. No, the subway in New York, only the subway in Manhattan got you there. All the other subways were shut down. And we sort of went into like, I just remember being in a sort of alter body state. Now that it's happened and so much fun happened because of it, so many people have said to me, God, that was great. It's a, it's a great origin story. And they are right. But I promise you that at that moment, nobody was thinking, this is great for the convention. We were thinking, like if you had come up to me and said, don't worry, Melissa, it's it's going to be so good for the f future of the convention. I would have taken your head right off your body. <laughs> Talk about the, the staff room that morning. <laughs> Melissa has slumped over in her chair. <laughs> so I walked in to... Um, so this original plan at BroadwayCon last year was that we weren't going to have the main stage for about three or four hours because there was a sports dinner. There was the Baseball Writers Association of America, which we were losing several key staff members to go to because they were so excited. So... And Anthony Rapp. Anthony Rapp was like, I will see you later. I'm going to the... Th but um, whoever would have picked Anthony for like a sports guy? Sports, poker, video games. I love him to death. Um, so, um, 
So that event was canceled. And so we had the main stage suddenly. And it was like, okay, we have not only three or four extra hours on the main stage to fill, most of our panelists all around the convention cannot get in. So everybody is covering everything. At one point, um, David Albert, who is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who's our our main stage director and he's the director of headline but he's been on this show before um he said to me there's nobody here for this costume panel and i texted him can you just vamp for like you know and vamping is like when you cover for a few minutes and he goes, I mean, you had a room full of people wanting to see a panel on costumes but there was, there was nobody there was no, right right the people were there yeah. the panelists were not because they couldn't get in and so i said can you vamp for a couple minutes and he goes sure and a couple minutes later he texted me back I didn't even say a couple minutes. I said, can you vamp? And then he texted me and said, how long? I was like, um, you know, like 45, 50 minutes. <laughs> Poor, so Michael McElroy was supposed to lead a workshop last year and while shoveling snow hurt his back and couldn't make it in. And it turned into, hey, Anthony, do you want to lead a second workshop? Because we have a room full of people and you were also in rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're that one, And then, so like, that's like all, all that stuff is happening all over the, and then we have the main stage and Blake Ross at Playbill came to me and she goes who do you have in your phone book and I was like uh, Darren Chris uh, Jeremy Jordan and like these we started naming off people that we could get in touch with she goes great I'm getting Patty I'm getting this one I'm getting that one why don't we just sit on stage and call people and I was like that is brilliant let's do it and that's how the blizzard party line was born where it was like it was Blake uh, Michael Riedel uh, me and Steph and David and Anthony where we just called big Broadway stars and surprise the audience with like people who couldn't be there like Patty listen to episode one we use um thanks to YouTube we use the Audra call which is uh, just the best do you have the send us pizza Patty audio no so Anthony so we don't we had like a glass of wine and you know Anthony apparently has a very low tolerance because I have a half of a glass of wine in he was like a little bit a little bit tipsy and Patty said What's going on there? Are you guys hungry? What are you doing to amuse yourself? Are you getting fed? We're talking to you. And Anthony goes, yeah, Patty, we're hungry. Send us pizza. And the whole audience started chanting, send us pizza, Patty. Send us pizza, Patty. It was ridiculous. You're great. All right. What are we... Well, I'm going to share a BroadwayCon story because this is my favorite. I didn't know any of you last year. I was so honored to be there. I was on a panel and my... So my husband, who is just like a huge Carrie Butler fan, like huge... Have I told you this story? We were in the green room and I had Carrie on my other podcast. So I knew her a little bit and she knew that we were adopting our daughter through foster care. And she... Um, Carrie, people don't know this because she doesn't talk about it, but she is like a staunch foster care advocate. When she was doing hairspray and Xanadu on her day, like during the day, not even like on her off days, she was working with ACS, which is the department that like handles all the foster care systems, where she was going to homes wherever people were to work with birth family, birth parents to do the things they needed to do to get their kids back. So she would go shopping with them. She would clean their refrigerator. This is Carrie Butler. So we see Carrie in the um, in the green room, and she comes over to say hi, and she's like, is this your daughter, Daisy? And I said, yes. And she picked her up, and she started singing to her. And my husband, who is not an emotional, not like a super openly emotional person, had to walk into a corner and cry because Carrie Butler was singing to our daughter. <laughs> it was ridiculous. That's one of the best things about, not I mean, that is wonderful. Um, one of the best things for us about these events is that when we see all people backstage creating those connections because it creates a lot of value you know for them too for for, because everybody people I don't know if people know this 
people do BroadwayCon for free. Unless we ask you to teach a class or you're like actually performing scripted material, people do Broadway. Everybody does BroadwayCon for free, which is remarkable in today's day and age of convention culture. And so we're so grateful. And so we work really hard to create an atmosphere where they can make, you know, connections and get more value out of it. Yeah. Last year, at the end of BroadwayCon, Celia Keenan-Bolger came up to me and thanked me for inviting her. And I was just like, thank you for being here. Your son's adore. I don't know what to say. You're you and I share this thing about how, like, we both can't talk around Celia Keenan-Bolger because she's, 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 she's Madonna to me. Like, I can't, I can't, be, I can't be around her. The Keenan-Bolgers are, like, BroadwayCon MVPs to the max. Andrew Keenan-Bolger did so many things last year that we were like, hey, we've got food for the staff downstairs. You, could, you should come be. And so, so he was just, like, eating with the staff because he was like basically working the entire weekend. It was amazing. So what are we most excited about this year? Sierra, you go first. Or like one, you know, one of the things you're most excited about. I am the thing, one of the things that I've been like super pumped about um, creating as a mainstay at BroadwayCon is what we are now calling the BroadwayCon first look at the upcoming season. And so for a couple of hours, every Sunday of BroadwayCon, we're going to have the shows that aren't out yet, that aren't, you can't even, they're not even in previews, and they're going to come in. Like last year, we had Great Comet, and we had, um, God, I can't even remember. It was such a blur. Bandstand is there. Thank you, Bandstand. And so um, this year... Anastasia's coming this year. So we're going to start really previewing and having the Sunday of BroadwayCon be the only place, really, that you can get a full day, a full couple of hours of preview of the upcoming season. <gasps> that is so exciting. It's exciting. Sierra, have you come up with something? Yeah, I'm going to talk about two different segments of kind of the programming that I oversee. The first being the growth of the BroadwayCon Museum. Um, which we are working with a couple of really amazing organizations to put together exhibits that you won't be able to see anywhere else, even for those of us who live in New York. Um, And I'm really excited about that. I'm also excited about our attendee-created programming that we're introducing this year. This is something that's a mainstay at all of the other Mischief events that we're introducing to BroadwayCon. And we got way more submissions than I was ever expecting as the person who had to read all of them. Um, And it was just really incredible to see how many people are passionate about the musicians on Broadway and how many people just want to get together and talk with other fans of Something Rotten. And it's been really incredible to get, you know, to put your finger on the pulse of what people are really interested in and to see just the sheer passion that people submitted with. It's really incredible. And I'm excited to go to some of those. Yeah, I mean, at our other events, we sh- we oh, we've always had a user-generated component, and one of the things we wanted we wanted to do it last year, but it was first year. You know, you got to get your feet under you, and so I'm so excited to, to get the users, the users, <laughs> such such a Techie. gross term, attendees, our our guests involved in 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 the events because it really creates a feeling of that this is their event, this is their home, and that's the kind of thing that we really we really try to 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 hang on to as we grow. I love you guys. I'm so grateful to be part of your team. Oh, we love Patrick. I love Sierra and I talk about this all the time. So one day I came in and I was like, guys, I was listening to BroadwayCon podcast. It's such a good po-. And Sierra's like, oh my God, I know. She's like, I wrote an ode. You wrote an ode or something? You did? <laughs> I wrote this whole thing and then I was like, this is going to embarrass Patrick if I post it on Facebook. <laughs> post it on Facebook? I, ne- I don't get embarrassed. No, but it's, I, you know, I listen every week. So I'm like, this is work, right? I need to know what, but by the end of the episode, I'm just thinking like, wow, I would have loved this in high school. And I still yeah. love it now. Like I, I, it starts as work and it ends as fun. And that's really cool. <laughs> that should be the tagline for the podcast. It starts as 
this where it ends. But I mean, honestly, like, like this came to us because how a lot of stuff comes to us. Patrick wrote to, wrote to us and was, or you wrote to us, right? Yeah, yeah. And you I was like, like, I will work with you guys. Just, I'm, it's going to happen. So let's find something for me to do. Exactly. And we encourage that and we welcome it because this whole company, everybody who works for it, started as a volunteer, myself included. Um, we, when we did our first ever event in Boston in 09, um, we paid, every staff member paid for their own ticket to the wow. event like that's what it was like nobody was you know even staying at the hotel for free that's what it was like then um then eventually we didn't pay for our own tickets but we paid our airfare then eventually we said okay well we have to make a company so so staff gets flown there for free but still most of our attendees like our our volunteer staff flies themselves in to wow. come and do it like it is all built on passion yeah. and that and so we love hearing from people who are like i am passionate i have an idea <laughs> I went, and that's exactly what you did, and that's how this podcast came well, to be. I came in with Sierra finally met with me, and I was like, I came in with like twelve ideas. I was like, what was it? And one of them was a podcast. And Sierra was like, that sounds interesting. <laughs> anyway, this is amazing. I'm so glad we did this. We should do this again. We should check in again. So where are we in the in this in the like programming world, Sierra? How much of this, how much of Bromicon is programmed right now? Programmed is an interesting word. <laughs> we have, I think, most of the weekend plotted out as far as what we want to make happen. Um, this is really around the time of year when people start knowing if they're available in January. So we are right about to enter the point where all of a sudden we have panelists confirmed. We have a lot of panels. Um, yeah. But if they don't have people on them, they're not panels yet. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are like, why, you know, why don't we see exactly from now what's going on? It's like, you don't understand this. Imagine a 25,000 piece puzzle. And when you first start the puzzle, you get the edges, you know, so everything's laid out. You know where it's going to be. You know how many rooms you have. But then in the middle, it gets until things really start coming together, then it starts coming together really fast. And so that's how it's happening now. We've got the structure. We've got the bones. And now people know if they're going to be around. And now people are starting to make all, you know, so you should expect like sort of hard and fast announcements coming almost a couple times a week at this point as we go. And you'll hear them all on this podcast. Sierra Fox with Nelly, I love you guys. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. Egan made history as the youngest female to ever win a Tony Award back in 1991 when she won for originating the role of Mary Lennox in The Secret Garden. It's a distinction she still holds. Well, just last week she went back to the garden when she began rehearsals for a revamped production of the show, which plays DC's Shakespeare Theater from November 15th to December 31st. From there, the show will play Seattle's Fifth Avenue Theater from April 14th to May 6th, and from there, there's some talk of Broadway. To celebrate Daisy going back into the show in the role of Martha, the maid, I wanted to share a piece of an interview I recently did with her in which she shared memories from Tony Knight 1991 and her big win. Two things to note, she attended the ceremony with her older sister, her parents sat up in the balcony, and it was Audrey Hepburn who announced her category and presented her with the award. Do you remember, so like, do you remember like being in the seat with your sister and all of that? Yeah, I remember um, we got to the theater and my sister was wearing my um, propeller hat. You know, it was like a beanie with a colored propeller on it and they would not let her wear it. Um, and we were like fascists. 
Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember being there. I remember being overwhelmed. I remember feeling like, I don't know how any of this works. Like, you know, and they told me, I think I'd gone to some sort of rehearsal. Um, and we were performing that night too. So, um, I brought my stuffed rabbit, Harold, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I that's what I remember from it. Um, and then, do you what was going through your mind when your category was announced? Oh God, I don't remember what was going through my mind. I think honestly, like probably like smile when the camera's on you, or like you're not gonna win. <laughs> Just hearing my mom's voice, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win. And then when they called your name. I couldn't believe it. I mean, if you go back and look at it, I, I honestly am in honest to goodness shock. I could not believe it. Um, I remember the microphone being lowered by magic. Um, I remember Audrey Hepburn kissing me on my head. Um, and I remember just, you know, not, not, being able to talk. I remember the drummer in the pit pounding his drums when, you know, in applause, basically. Um, and uh, I walked off stage and a stage manager came and took my Tony Award. Now it's different, apparently. Now you get to take your dummy home and then they collect it the next day or you drop it off the next day. But back then they take it away immediately. So the stage manager comes and takes it away, and I, th- I literally thought it was already being rescinded. Like I had done something, something in my speech disqualified me. And I was like, what are you doing? And they, and they were like, we're, we have to take this and engrave your name. Oh, okay. And then a stage manager, another stage manager came up to me and said, oh, I was chatting with, oh my God. I was chatting with Lily Tomlin backstage. And I was telling her how much I loved, uh, how much I loved her, how much I loved Edith Ann and, um, and Ernestine. And uh, she said, oh, I'll send you a tape. And she did. Um, God, it's so surreal. And then another stage manager came up to me and said, we have to, you have to go to the press conference across the street. And in retrospect, it probably wasn't across the street. It was probably literally upstairs in the Marriott because we were at the Minskoff. But in my mind, I was going to have to go out and find this conference, this press conference by myself at night in this dress and then get back to the theater to do the performance. And I didn't, I honestly couldn't think of how that was going to work or the logistics of it. And I got really freaked out. And I said, I don't have to do that. I'm just a kid. Because I literally was like, I'm going to go out into New York by myself. Like, not that I hadn't taken the subway by myself and stuff, but like, it just felt different, you know, in this gown that I'm, or this dress that I'm wearing. Um, and it's weird that nobody said, uh, they must have just been like, all right, she's freaked out. But somebody easily could have just been like, no, 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 I'm going to escort you and take you back. I promise you won't be left alone. I think it was also that I was like, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it, is good for me to be interviewed without like a a supervisor there you know what I mean 
I think most other interviews I did, like at least my parent, somebody was there. I remember Alex Witchell wouldn't interview me because she insisted on me being alone. And my parents were like, who do you think you are? You are not interviewing our 11-year-old child by yourself. We don't know what you're going to say. And you're also a crazy lady. So no. So I think there was a part of me that was like, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 it just something felt wrong to me about it, you know? Also, nobody had sat me, th- sat me down beforehand and been like, here's how the night's going to go, you know? So, so yeah, I didn't do the press conference, which is in retrospect, I mean, I like to say that um, everything in my life had to go exactly the way it did in order for me to have my son, who's like a miracle human. But my, I think my career would have been a lot different because I would have, you know, it, the internet wasn't around then and we didn't have Twitter and we didn't have Facebook and we didn't have Snapchat and we didn't have any of that stuff. So that was my opportunity to get in front of the, the national spotlight because, you know, n- not everybody watches the Tony Awards. And, you know, and I was precocious and I was spunky and I'm sure I would have said things that made them laugh and I would have been, you know, I would have been me. And, you know, I just have fantasies that like, you know, uh, who are the, the Miramax dudes? Oh, the Weinsteins? Yeah. I had fantasies that the Weinsteins would, like, see me on the 11 o'clock news and be like, we're going to write a TV show for her. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a star. Natalie Portman, who? Um, but, alas, it wasn't my fate. BroadwayCon the podcast is a partnership between BroadwayCon Media and Theater Podcast Productions. Episodes are produced, mixed, and edited by me, Patrick Hines. Just a reminder that tickets to BroadwayCon 2017 are now on sale. You can get tickets and more information at broadwaycon.com. If you just can't wait till next week to get your theater podcast fix, you can check out my other podcast. It's called Theater People. We do long-form interviews with Tony winners, Broadway legends, and today's brightest theater stars. You can find Theater People on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any place else where podcasts live. BroadwayCon the podcast will be back in one week with Tony nominee Montego Glover. Until then, we ask you to remember this. You get really pissed and will cut someone's slack when they call the cast out.